Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listening or hearing music can really touch people's souls. That's your space to be like, I've been through this much and I don't have to sit back and cry about it. I'm grateful that I got to the other side. It kind of comes innate. You want to share it with other people. It's literally like my own mind speaking to me through music. You're building a community, and I think that that's the coolest thing. At the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about the music. It's about the good vibe that it brings. That's genuine connection to me. It was the last time that I saw you. Yeah, I think that's right. Hey everybody, what's up, what's happening? You're listening to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is David, I'll be your host and lovely guide. You are currently listening to All the Best Intentions from a group known as Couch Sleepers. And I actually got to sit down with the frontman and founding member of this really cool and unique collective as you will find out his name is harrison and he's gonna tell us about who couch sleepers are what the group does and what they have coming up to start from looking you up and looking up the band couch sleepers it seems like you kind of market this as really being something that you like started and founded and kind of have taken over at the helm so would you say that you were kind of like the main person in this band, like the front man who does all of like, you know, kind of everything? Or does everyone in the band have different parts that they do to contribute to the whole process? For a long time, I was unsure how to market the band, if I should call it a band or a music project. And eventually I, I spoke to this guy who manages my brother, who's also a musician. And he said, look, man, like you guys sound like a band. It's a band sound. That's like very much what people are going to get when they listen to your music and also when they go to your shows. Okay. Um, You should call yourself a band. But in the ways that it organized, that it's organized, it's a little bit different from the traditional band model where every member is contributing. You know, Paul writes a song and then John writes a song, that kind of thing. It's much more the case that I bring a song to the band and oftentimes I'm saying this is the bass part or this is this is the guitar part mm-hmm. usually with the drums it's this is it's something like this uh kind of do your thing max so in that sense there's much more of a sort of benevolent dictator vibe <laughs> to the band yeah um, it sounds like you're kind of like an assignment editor in a way yeah maybe I don't know <laughs> um but that's also I mean none of that is to downplay the importance of each member of the band it would not be the same band without those members and the greatest moments in couch sleepers usually happen when somebody else says hey what if we did it this way you know what if we added these hits at the end or what if we changed up this part and so it's still very much at its soul a band in the way that the music comes together Um, and who are those members just to name them so it's a bit of a revolving cast um And, and a large one at that, but <laughs> there are some consistent members. So uh, Max Joshua has been with us from the very beginning. He's like my best friend, you know, my oldest and best friend. They're all my best friends, but Max, like he and I have been like this for a long time. Yeah. And uh, he plays drums. He's previously played bass and he's also one of the greatest guitar players I've ever heard. So he kind of 
he can do anything. And so we just put him on the instrument that nobody else could do. <laughs> and then um, we have Mike Nunzianti, who's another one of my, my very close friends from college. And Mike is, he's one of those slide players that's going to be spoken about in the same breath as David Trucks and Blake Mills and Sonny Landreth. Like he, he's just, uh, I've never heard anybody who has such a clear and unique voice on an instrument in the way that Mike does. You know, often you hear a guitarist and it's like, okay, this, like, this person is good at the guitar. They play, they can play all the Hendrix stuff and they can play all the Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff. But mm -hmm. Mike, he totally has his own voice on the instrument and it's informed by uh, all these different things that Mike does. So he, Mike works in education and he works with nonprofit organizations in Latin America. And so he's always bringing in like, oh, what if I played this like a Durango or what if I, mm, yeah. Um, so he's a very inventive and creative player. And Mike has his own project, musical project with the final sort of core member of the band, Brendan Ronan, okay. uh, who plays the bass. And he's an amazing bassist very much has the temperament for a bassist. He's patient and very calm and very steady, but he's also a really tremendous fingerstyle guitarist. And he and Mike have a sort of roots rock duo for which they write their own songs. And Max also has his own project, uh, sort of like an indie soft rock kind of thing, house guest. Cool. And then cool. there are a couple other peripheral figures. We worked a lot with Laura Heberlin of Cricket Blue recently. Mm -hmm. uh, an amazing folk songwriter and one of the best voices around. So say this sounds like a very collaborative collective, you could say. Yeah, there are a lot of people whose names haven't even been said yet, but <laughs> who you'll find all over our track listings. That's awesome. I love that. And what's this? I guess you could say this tagline that you have a soundtrack for restless nights that has been marketed on your social media. What's that all about? Yeah, um, I'm a terrible sleeper. Uh, I have <laughs> always been a terrible sleeper. I used to like stash flashlights under my pillow so that I could read at night, like mm -hmm. late three or four in the morning because I just don't sleep well. Okay. And um, it, it's been just sort of a ruminative topic in my music, a very like consistent lyrical theme. And sonically, in a lot of ways, that's what the Couch Sleepers songs feel like to me. They feel like songs for when you're lying awake at night and you just can't sleep. Mm -hmm. They feel like songs for, yeah, when you're hanging out with friends and the night's gone longer than you expect, when you're coming home from a party or when everybody has left the party and you're cleaning up the solo cups, <laughs> or when you're just lying there in bed and you can't sleep. So I don't know, it just felt like the most apt descriptor for our music. It's like the after hours period, you could say. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's really cool. And it's something that I kind of picked up on too. I think this was mentioned in your Spotify bio. Um, some of the other artists that you've been compared to. And one of them was Snow Patrol, and that's an artist that I also know. Hmm. And I could not help but just hear it, and I think your voice specifically. I was like, damn, like he sounds like the singer from Snow Patrol. Like, how does that like play into your sound and your musical influences? Like, are those artists that you kind of have tried to incorporate into your own sound and things that you, you know, growing up listened to? It's interesting that the Snow Patrol comparison in particular, I think really has to do with my voice. I don't know. I know they did Chasing Cars. Yeah. And I think Gary Lightbody, the singer, did a song with Taylor Swift that I've heard, but I'm not, like certainly not familiar with their music. But it's it's just a comparison that we cannot seem to avoid. <laughs> I think because we make like guitar-based indie rock music and and yeah, my voice sounds like his, I guess, which is probably a huge compliment, I would imagine. <laughs> um, and one that I'm happy to receive. The other bands, I think, that are listed there are definitely artists that we've sought to emulate. So I imagine that Broken Social Scene is there, Pine Grove, Phoebe Bridgers. Those are all people that I think are tremendous songwriters and who've had a lot of influence on me as an artist. Yeah, it's it's sort of a mix of things. Oftentimes people will be like, you sound like this. Like there, there's somebody who said we sounded like the Talking Heads years ago. And I Interesting. <laughs> it was like, like Psycho Killer? Um, <laughs> fa, 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 fa. And I don't think we sound like that, but it's, I think that, you know, when people make comparisons, they're just looking for like touchstones in their own local music mm -hmm. listening environment. So if they identify something that's, that's resonant, I think that's always a good sign that I should go check it out and see what I can mm -hmm. learn from it. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything that you try not to do? Like, do you try not to emulate other artists? Are you more on that track where you just try to, you know... I think sometimes people can just block out everything that's going on and just really focus on what you're doing, whatever product you're putting out. Is that kind of how you approach things when it comes to your music? You just kind of shut everything else out? 
Not intentionally, but there's definitely been a trend that I've noticed in my own life where I listen to less and less music these days. I think when I was in high school, it was like, you know, it was obsessive. I, I listened to music every moment of every day, all the time, much to my family's chagrin. And um, nowadays, I feel like I'm most often hearing my own music, hearing my own voice as I'm mixing these songs over and over and over again, and sort of ruminating on lyrics and melodies and all sorts of different things that are that are haven't yet quite come together but are floating around yeah it's it's been interesting i also i've started listening to more and more music that's outside of what i listen to traditionally and outside of the sound of our music cool um so like i've been listening to a lot of hyper pop recently <laughs> which is which is a, a crazy journey it's, <laughs> it's definitely pushing the boundaries and yeah, I don't know, trying to draw, always trying to draw inspiration from places that aren't sort of in the canon of our genre. And I have no idea what our genre is. <laughs> I, I find like the concept of putting yourself into a box is is really difficult. And I don't think that I have enough objectivity there to say like, oh yeah, we make, is it pop? Is it rock? Is it folk? I don't know. But yeah, trying to incorporate like beat changes. Like there's this moment in Nights on Frank Ocean's Blonde where the beat changes and it's amazing it's like one of the most like frisian producing moments the hair stands up on the back of your neck mm -hmm. and it'd be really cool to have something like that in an indie rock song so trying to draw inspiration from different places rather than to just uh reiterate what's been said before yeah and something that just came is, to my which mind which you're gonna do anyways yeah but <laughs> yeah something that just came to my mind you was thinking about like phineas and billy eilish who pull from literally everything like not even just music but sounds and i think that's like a huge thing nowadays with music is that it's not just instruments it's sounds it's anything and everything that literally could just be thrown together and just you think sounds good that you're gonna put out and say this is a song with you know street signs and traffic in the background <laughs> but yeah. it also has you know singing and guitars like i think music is so open and so beautiful in that aspect that it could be anything you really throw together yeah, well, we love Billy. I mean, she and Phineas are, are like total icons for what you can do in a bedroom. Uh, Maggie Rogers also like one of those people who's out there with a handheld recorder putting rattlesnakes in her songs. But yeah, it, it is an interesting question, right? Like what constitutes music? What like what is it about a sound that lets you point at it and say that's music? That's not a recording or it's not like just an actual sound. But this is this is like music, mm -hmm. you know? Had a professor asked me that in college or asked the class that in college and we we collectively came to the idea that it was intention mm, okay. that dictated the difference between music and sound but yeah i don't know <laughs> i love that concept i'm all about philosophical conversations so i'm all about that <laughs> I'm all about that so something i noticed too is that you guys have been kind of busy like you've put out three singles so far this year you have all the worst things monsters and all the best intentions what does that mean? Like, is there a project coming? Something on the horizon there? That's kind of a string of a couple different things going on. <laughs> there is a project coming, although trying something new. So I'm just putting out all the songs as singles. Uh, mm -hmm. Something that struck me about our first project was that, you know, we put out the first single and it did better than I could have hoped. And we put out the second one, it did even better than I could have hoped. And the third one, everything was growing. And then we put out the last album and the album streamed more than I could have hoped based on how the last single had streamed. Mm -hmm. But it was distributed across, you know, six remaining songs, all of which I cared about just as much as the first three. And yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't want to like neglect any of my children, basically. And so I, th I thought it'd be interesting to try and just release all the songs as singles. But also I hate when you can't tell in a Spotify discography, like, have I heard this song or is this yeah. just a single? Like, what is this? Yeah. So I'm trying to collect everything onto an EP as well. It's called Monsters. It's six songs. They're all sort of couplets. So, you know, all the worst things and all the best intentions go together. Monsters has a companion called Creature Comforts that's coming out at the end of April. Yeah, that's that's the idea. And tr also trying not to put out songs that are like filler music. So ideally, every song could stand on its own merit. So it sounds like you're kind of putting something out there when you feel like the time is right or you feel like you can kind of build on that momentum. Is that true? Certainly, but also just trying to make music. It's a funny thing about like, you write a song and it doesn't come out until a year and a half later. And there are like three more things you're excited about that have piled up in the, uh, in the bullpen. But 
yeah, trying to trying to be smart about things. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not a business oriented person, but I've been trying to take on some of that responsibility and learn those tools because I do really love music and I care about having my music heard. And when people reach out and they say, hey, I heard your song and like it meant a lot to me, that's worthwhile. So uh, yeah. I'm trying to up my business skills. So <laughs> yeah, that's I got the goal. You. Yeah. <laughs> One of the songs I want to mention specifically is All the Best Intentions, because that one is the latest one that you put out. But I hmm. also happen to notice that it has the most streams. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Like, And let's talk about that song, too. Like, What was <laughs> what was the intention behind that song, or what were some of the um, influences for it? All the Best Intentions is about being impulsive, just sort of like selfish, I guess. Uh, it's, it's that moment of knowing that like you're not ready to do something, and you shouldn't do it but you're going to do it because you can't really help yourself. And I feel like I am that way. Sometimes I wish maybe I was more that way than I am. And then usually whenever I am that way, it ends up being terrible. Uh, not just for me, but for like whoever get, happens to get caught in the, uh, in the blast. Right. Yeah, so that's, that's sort of the origin of all the best intentions. All these songs on the upcoming EP called Monsters are my attempt to explore the worst parts of myself to magnify things that I have identified as as places where I can do better mm -hmm. and say, well, what if I was the most that kind of person? What would my life look like? And so all the best intentions is, well, what if I never tried to be a better person than I am now? What if I just pursued like my own pure hedonistic impulses and live my life like that? I can think of a lot of people who would probably not benefit from that <laughs> version of me out in the world. But it's also styled as like an upbeat, like very joyous pop song. And I guess that's kind of how it feels, right? <laughs> You're just like, all right, let's do this. Like, come over. Yeah, you know? instigating. Very much instigating. Instigating, yeah. It's fun. Speaking from an instigator's perspective, yeah. I think yeah. I would put that on and be like, all right, let's do something. <laughs> let's do something. Let's yeah. do something we're not supposed to. <laughs> Who knows? Or maybe we should. It's all, it's all the bigger question. Yeah, that's um, the bigger question. And what's it been like exploring these topics and putting out this material during a pandemic? Like kind of, you know, with your situation being put, I assume maybe in remote learning or wherever your situation that you've been, you've probably had a decent amount of time to like reflect and focus on things that could go into your music. So what's it been like putting out this much material during the pandemic? Actually, it's it's been quite hectic. I feel like the last last six months of my life or so, I've been sort of like, flying by the seat of my pants, but somehow still sort of flying, maybe just falling with style. So you, you sort of alluded to this. I, for my day job, my living, I make my living as a graduate student in neuroscience, working towards my doctoral dissertation. And I just finally finished my proposal, uh, which luckily went without issue. And for the past however many months, that has been the number one thing that's been demanding my attention. And so it's been slightly stressful to try and put out music, uh, which I know deserves my attention and a lot of it, because as I said, I'm not very business oriented doing that while also having to juggle writing, a, you know, 15 single space pages about neurotrophin signaling has been, has been pretty overwhelming, but yeah, I can it's imagine. been <laughs> exciting and very, very fun. And there's always something going on, you know? So it's, it's been really it's been good and it's probably been something of a, a blessing to have a very limited social life during that time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm somehow eking out at the expense of my social life. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't, I didn't go to school for neurology or neuroscience. So like, God bless you. <laughs> can't even. And that's something that I want to bring up too. And going back to um, the foundations of couch sleepers, you did form this band while you were also in grad school a few years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, like what inspired you to start a band in the middle of all this craziness? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been very nearly two years now, which is pretty cool. Um, Why well, start a band? I was already playing with a lot of bands. Um, okay. I was playing with a band down in New York uh, called Fever Dolls. Really, really amazing. So yeah, just a shout out to Fever Dolls. You should, if you like music, you'll probably like something that they've put out because it's pretty eclectic Noted. Um, and very, very vibrant. But yeah, I uh, I've always played music. But the, that playing with the Fever Dolls was sort of my first taste of like, oh, I really like this. And maybe like, I think I want to do this. 
like it turns out standing on stage for a crowd of people and like playing songs feels really good. So that encouraged me to take my own music more seriously and also gave me a model for what that process looked like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just sort of took that and Evan Alice of Fever Dolls was a really good mentor to me and thought, you know, I have all these songs. Uh, maybe it's time to put them together and like to create a project with a vision instead of just throwing them out there. And so that was how Couch Sleepers was born. We started playing shows and I got the band together mm-hmm. and it's just been, it, I mean, how to say it, like all of my favorite memories have had the band as a backdrop, uh, whether it's the people or the, the shows themselves or any of those things. It's been one of the most rewarding things great Um, in my life yeah awesome that's great to hear that's awesome and you mentioned it earlier while in the talk about your first project coming out only when it's dark that came out in 2019 what was going on at the time when you put that project out are you asking what what is the backdrop to that that album (laughs) yeah like obviously like i mentioned you're in school so like where did you even have the time to like you know even get into a studio or get into recording sessions with everybody you know like what was going on yeah, well, it was made easier by the fact that the studio is the room we're, we're uh, sort of looking at together now. I guess <laughs> right, not okay. sitting in. But yeah, the, we record all our own stuff in my apartment here. And uh, yeah, it was just sort of working when we can and getting people in when we can. And yeah, I, life is busy, but there's always time for music. At least uh, I've been lucky to be able to make it a priority in my life and have people around me who are just as excited and willing to do that. So it was always just a nice thing to come home to after a long day in the lab or, uh, you know, to spend a weekend on. I don't, I don't really play video games or like have any, I don't like properly have any hobbies that are not monetized now. So it's just music and and art and doing that Mm -hmm. all the time. I feel that I'm like the same way. I don't really have anything else going on besides probably watching Hulu and just listening to music, you know, outside of work. (laughs) going outside when it's nice out all the good stuff yeah all the good stuff to detach from the normal things you could say and what kind of reception did you get from only when it's dark you kind of mentioned some of those songs took off more than you had expected so what kind of feedback were you getting from people it was really positive which is amazing yeah like the the fact that anybody listened to it and found it meaningful is so much more than you ever hope right that's like the goal is is make one person's day with a song and Mm -hmm. Uh, anything else is is extra. But yeah, I think the, the reception was really positive and the community in Burlington is really supportive. And we've been lucky through touring and through meeting lots of really great acts like the Q-Tip Bandits, who you just interviewed, has, has let us grow that community and build a community around the band. And that's been uh, really special. Somebody got a Couch Sleepers tattoo the, uh, the other day, like based on whatever I've got, the title okay. for the opening track from Only When It's Dark. So nice yeah it's been overwhelming and sort of it's been interesting to to confront the idea that like what you're doing actually kind of matters um not like necessarily in an existential sense but like that it's having an impact on people out in the world that i would not have otherwise ever interacted with Mm -hmm. um somebody like permanently put ink between the dermal cells (laughs) in their body (laughs) um because of a song that I wrote and it highlights that there's, there's responsibility that comes with this. Yeah. And so that's been um, cool and gratifying and also terrifying and uh, (laughs) like a good reminder. So shout out to Mackenzie who got that tattoo. She is far and away the biggest couch sleepers fan out there. That's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. If I ever bring this show to a live component, I'm going to have fans call in and she would be one I would call in. <laughs> talk to That would be amazing. Tell us about the tattoo, Mackenzie. We want to hear. <laughs> um, and how are you able to develop connections with other acts in the area? Like you mentioned, the Q-Tips was a band that, you know, we both knew mutually and put us in touch. So what other like contacts were you able to make? Because you also mentioned another band that was kind of like a mentor to you or people that were mentors to you from that band. Yeah, a lot of it is... Um just being out there and, and like making friends, really. That's how this happens, right? You you play a show with somebody and then you become friends and they have other friends and now you're friends with that band. So like another band in the Boston area, Hush Club, came to our show and they're like, oh, we know these guys. And we played a show with them and there really aren't that many people out there in the world. And then sometimes there are so many people out there in the world, but you just run in the circle and you get to know people. I got connected with the Fever Dolls because I was out 
there playing music just sort of aimlessly. I was playing open mics and doing whatever. But people knew that I played the keys and they needed a keyboardist. And um, so, yeah, they reached out to me. We also went to the same college, so I think they're sort of aware of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I joined up with Fever Dolls and turned into this like really beautiful and crazy part of my life. And I was driving to New York every weekend to rehearse and play music with them from Vermont, which is like an eight-hour drive. Jesus. And uh, <laughs> But it was so worth it, you know? And because of that, I got to know other people from the Burlington scene because they're a Brooklyn band by way of Burlington. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, because I played keys with Fever Dolls, I started playing keys with Clever Girls, uh, another Burlington band who makes like really amazing indie rock music. And it just kind of it builds and it spirals, but you got to be out there and, and making music. Uh, nobody would have ever asked me to play keys for them if I was just playing in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so I was taking that first step, I think, is is the key part. <laughs> so I'm curious because I've been holding off this question till closer to the end, and I feel like we, you might have touched on that with talking about not playing in your bedroom. How did you come up with the name Couch Sleepers? Uh, everybody wants to know this. Um, <laughs> I was in high school. Right. So I've mentioned that I'm like a pretty dysfunctional sleeper. I started playing music in like sixth or seventh grade. I started playing the piano and then I picked up the guitar like uh, sort of half acidly in uh, high school, I want to say. I was I was really self-conscious about writing songs. And so I would just stay up till three or four or five in the morning. And I'd like quietly play guitar downstairs in the living room while everybody else in the house was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And... For a long time, that was like the only space in which I knew how to be productive uh, musically as a songwriter. And I would fall asleep on the couch in all my clothes and then wake up, you know, an hour and a half, like not even a full uh, sleep cycle later and go into the like swimming practice we had before school. uh, Wow. And so I was just like very, uh, very much a zombie with dark circles (laughs) underneath my eyes. But I was I was a couch sleeper. And that name, I had it in my back pocket and I, I was like sort of waiting to be ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. I had a band in college called The Giant Peach, which is actually a terrible band name. <laughs> um, I think a band name needs to be like easy to hear, right? You should be able to hear it and like, oh, I know what words those are and I know how to spell them. It okay. should be Googleable. Okay, yeah. Say, like, you know, it, sh- it shouldn't be part of a Raoul Dahl novel because that's going <laughs> to come up first. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it should be unique and it should it should carry a vibe and it should have it should sound like a band you've heard of before. And that was mm. sort of those were my criteria and Couch Sleepers filled all those things. And I also, as I was driving down to New York every weekend, sort of began to realize that like I was sleeping on a couch quite a lot. It turns out that that's what being a musician is mostly like. It's <laughs> it's back pain and, you know, like REM suppressing. So <laughs> it's like part of the lifestyle and and then there's also this sort of like romantic unrest element to it being banished to the couch that is present in a lot of our music. Although I've never personally been banished to a couch yet. <laughs> Keyword yet. <laughs> Keyword yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really fascinated too with your band's imaging. What's your approach to your imaging and your social media and pictures and photog and all that stuff? Like it's, I think it's really cool. Like I really was fascinated by it. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I, I wish I could say it was more, more of a conscious effort. Uh, just trying to make things that I like. I think that's I, like, really, that's the thing that ties this all together, right? Is mm-hmm. I like it. I like the way it sounds. I like the way it looks. There, There's some notion of like consistent color palettes. And there are also thematic elements that I find very interesting. So like, I'm very interested in light. I'm very interested in domestic space mm-hmm. and um, sort of how this space describes the life and, or the lives that are lived there. You know, it's always an interesting part of getting to know somebody, a friend or a partner, uh, or even just a complete stranger when you're, you're able to look into their home and you sort of, you get a clearer sense of that person and how they live and what's important to them. Likewise, like meeting somebody's family is always very interesting to me. And so those, that sort of idea has featured a lot in our, uh, iconography, I guess. And there's a lot of physical space. <laughs> and also like I, I read just constantly and compulsively and i buy books like somebody who's got money to spend which i don't <laughs> yeah they're they're just like piles of books all across this apartment in fact my 
nightstand has disappeared under one and <laughs> they've started to pile up on the floor behind me. So there are a lot of books too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always have a place to look at essentially is what I hear. If you visit Harrison's two bedroom apartment, there always yeah, will be a lot something of titles to read. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things to look at, a lot of things to read. And is there more of an intention behind this diary of a song kind of, I don't know if you would call it a series yet. Cause I think you've only put out a few, but I guess you call oh, it. I should thread. do another one of those <laughs> Just um, as a reminder. Yeah, here you go. Like, yeah. what's, is that more of like an intentional thing that you've done? Yeah, there. So there are various notions there. The the real like driving one is just let's look behind the curtain together. So grow, growing up as somebody who wanted to make music, that was like the most important thing was seeing like, oh, this is how a song gets made. And like, this is what it's actually like. It doesn't just like spring up fully formed out of the out of the I don't know, out of the sky or out of the like subconscious chaos. Like it just, it's built incrementally and their ideas and some of them are good, but they still get thrown out and a lot of them are bad. And trying to show that process is interesting. It's also really interesting for me to look back and say like, oh yeah, Monsters had four different melodies attached to it at a different point. That doesn't usually happen. <laughs> usually, usually I get the song and the melody together and they sort of like evolve in peace with monsters, I got the I got the lyrics first, and then built the song around those lyrics because I was so compelled by the idea. So part of it's to record how that song came into being, and to just keep a notebook around that. And then another part of it is to give some insight into what the music making process looks like for us, at least. I think people are interested in that. I hope they are. I am and, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. So we got at least one, and as we said, everything else is a bonus. Yeah. And also to be completely transparent, because this is another thing that people don't often talk about. It's good to be able to say, hey, did you hear our song yet? Like we put out a song, but not to just say like, did you listen to our song? Did you listen to our song? Listen to it again. That's a very R selected sort of way, way of going about things um, mm -hmm. to, to bring in some biology. But if you can give somebody something of value and give them a fresh perspective with which to approach a piece of music, I think that's a lot more interesting. So mm -hmm. if, if somebody has heard our song and they like it and they've been listening to it and then they can see like, oh, that's how they was playing, like that guitar part is weird or this almost sounded like that. That's, I think it makes the song more interesting and it also serves its purpose as a just general reminder to, hey, listen to our music, please. <laughs> yeah, shameless plugs, shameless plugs, it's fine. Yeah, listen to our music, please. <laughs> yeah, on that note too, the concepts and knowing the context behind music and songs and albums and everything, it goes it goes such a long way. Like it really does. Speaking from experience too, from doing something like this, it goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always so hungry for that. Whenever I find a new artist, I want to know everything. Yeah, I want to read the titles on their bookshelf, you know? <laughs> <laughs> See what goes on in their mind, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Well, Harrison, thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking about, we'll call it the collective of couch sleepers. <laughs> I think that's a good way for me to approach it. Ember organism. Yeah, <laughs> that too. And before I let you go, just let my listeners know where they can find you, find your music, social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, thank you so much to everybody who's tuned in. So we're couch sleepers. If you search couch sleepers on any social media platform that we're on, you'll find us. But the main ones are Instagram, Spotify. And yeah, if you're interested in seeing what's going on behind the scenes and also taking uh, a wider look into my life and the things that I, I think about and that sort of thing, uh, I encourage you to go follow us on TikTok, which is a new and baffling social media platform that I don't <laughs> totally understand yet. But yeah, I talk about the books that I'm reading and the implications of certain neuroscience research and just basically anything that I'm thinking about. Sometimes I talk about grammar. <laughs> so, so please come join us there as well and thank you guys for tuning in and thank you David for having us So just to start off, I think there is so much to talk about with this there, album. There's plenty, yes. <laughs> yeah, so Demi Lovato just put out her seventh studio album, Dancing with the Devil, also known as The Art of Starting Over. I guess that's like, how would you say she says it as the full title? Like, just as I said it, Danae? 
Yeah, Dancing with the Devil. I think on the thing, it's like Dance with the Devil, dot, 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 The Art of Starting Over. She had said she was originally just going to call it The Art of Starting Over, but then she wanted to put that Dancing with the Devil piece in because that's like how the story originated. So then she changed it last minute, which I actually really like because it kind of tells both stories. Yeah, I was going to say, because one thing that really stood out to me with the album and how it's structured is that the first three songs, Anyone Dancing with the Devil and then I See You, Mm-hmm. come before like this intro where she's just kind of talking about her experience right what did you think of that like how she kind of had these and they're all kind of like softer songs like ballads mm-hmm. in a way what did you right. think of how she structured the album in that sense that it was like you know she opened up with songs before having an intro and then she went into more of the album yeah I loved that because it's exactly what she wanted to do with telling a story from top to bottom she kind of started with what happened with the overdose in 2018 the aftermath of that being in the hospital and then the intro is kind of the intro to starting over which is where she is now so I thought that was the perfect structure for the album and she had said she wanted people to listen to it from top to bottom because it tells that story and I think that does that perfectly yeah just to let people know how much of a Demi Lovato fan would you say you are because before we got on you were saying you just you've had this album on for like a week Uh, I think you said I'm like top tier um I've been a fan since like she started back in like 2008 so I was like a little young teenager and yeah I've been a fan ever since and I've seen her live like hundreds of times so it's been a journey (laughs) and something else that like I've seen a lot of media outlets put out with this album is they've explored the different eras of Demi Mm -hmm. and how she's kind of gone, you know, like everyone knows she got her start on Disney Channel in 2008 with her first album, Don't Forget. Um, And then Here We Go Again and Unbroken was like a huge record for her. Yeah. How do you think like she's really progressed as an artist and like, you know, from all seeing her go through all of these different eras, where do you think she's at now in her career? I think now she's at this place where she's finally making music like for herself. I feel like she used to make it for the radio or what her team or record label wanted. And now she's just doing what she wants to do. And you can kind of tell because the sounds totally changed. Um, I just think it's matured a lot over the years. Um, mm-hmm. I love the early stuff just because that's like when it started. She was a teenager. It was different then. Um, but I definitely think you can hear not only in the music, but also in the lyrics of how much she's grown up over the years and how much her sound has changed. Mm-hmm. And something with this album specifically that I think is super important to mention is the docu-series that she put out on mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, I've been having like multiple conversations recently and just how important the context mm-hmm. is to like music and artists and their work. And this is something that I think you need to watch in order to really fully understand the album. 100%. And yeah, like, she has she has called it like the unofficial soundtrack of the docuseries and I think that's exactly what it is yeah and I can't remember exactly who it was in one of the episodes maybe it was Scooter Braun that said that um she just says exactly what she thinks in her Uh songwriting like she's completely honest and I think that's what you like get in this album specifically and that's something you just mentioned as well yeah a hundred percent it's you can you can hear the honesty in her voice in all these songs and I think that's that's something some artists lack so it's really cool that you can get that from her with this Mm -hmm. and she's obviously been really open and honest about her struggles with mental health and mental illnesses and things like that Mm -hmm. and obviously the overdose in 2018 which is really huge so that's another really common theme on the album um one of the songs that really stood out to me about that was also i see you because that talks about how when she woke up in the hospital and she couldn't see and her sister was next to her and she was just like her sister was freaking out saying I can't believe she's gonna lose her eyesight and then obviously it comes back so like that component of her with her sister was really interesting that she threw on there yeah for sure I don't think when it happened a few years ago we we realized how much it would like physically affect her you know like obviously it was this huge mental thing she went to rehab all that but I don't think we realized the physical effects of the brain damage and the blind spots and all that. So the fact that she woke up legally blind is something we learned in the documentary, which is just crazy. Yeah. And also I think she had said anyone was another one that kind of alluded to that overdose. Um, obviously mm-hmm. dancing with the devil, which we mentioned are the three first songs in the album. Yeah. And then once she gets to the art of starting over the track, the album kind of takes that optimistic shift. So what do you think that kind of shows? Like we kind of touched upon it a little bit. 
Yeah, I think um, I think the overdose was kind of like a wake up call for her in a sense. So she when she survived that, she was kind of like, okay, I need to get my life together. And so the artist starting over from that point forward in the album is her journey since then. And she has said like, there's there were some dark moments along the way. It's not like she woke up and was like, I have a new life. Um, like I think 2019 was pretty dark too, but I think that you can tell that in the music too. It's kind of just been her journey since then mm-hmm. um, with where she's at in her recovery and where she's at with, um, you know, working on herself and things like that. So, and you can definitely hear that in the songs. Yeah. What are some songs that you think kind of portray the album's message the best or like kind of show where she's at mm-hmm. the best? I think Good Place is one. That's also the Good one places. she closes out with. And I love with. that she ends with that. Yeah, I think that definitely encompasses where she is now. Mm-hmm. I also think Melon Cake is a really important one because her eating disorder is such a big part of her journey. And for so many years she was stuck in it and her old team would have her on a crazy diet and crazy workout schedule. And melon cake is literally about how she used to have watermelon cakes for her birthday. And now finally she has that freedom to kind of like keep the balance with herself and eat what she wants. And so I think that definitely is important too when it comes to where she is now. Yeah, she's been really open about like the eating disorders too. Like melon cake was Mm -hmm. one. Um, I think the way you don't look at me also kind of referenced that yeah, too. For sure. That one, oh, that's one of my faves. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other ones on there that stood out to you in particular? I really love that one. Um, and then Easy with Noah Cyrus. Yeah, that's just, a good one. Yeah, I just love a good ballad, especially when with Demi's voice on it. And then you throw in Noah Cyrus and it just, wow, that's probably my favorite. Um, and then also California Sober is one of my favorites too. Mm-hmm. which I know that's like kind of a controversial topic um but I just it's just so good yeah because that one I feel like that one also kind of um portrays the message of the album really well yeah for and sure. and something else too like you just mentioned all these ballads that she kind of put on I feel like mm-hmm. it's a shift from like the music she kind of came up on like yeah. that very like poppy mm-hmm. more like overly produced music um what do you think like why do you think she chose to go that route do you think it kind of helped her to put her experiences out there a little bit better and clearer. Yeah, I think so. And I also think, like I had mentioned before about how she was making music for other people. I think before with her old team and just maybe even an older label when she was like on Disney and stuff, I think it was very calculated, like what she put out, when she put it out, what's her radio, you know what I mean? And -hmm. I think now she's kind of just going in the direction of like, I just want to put out music for myself and for my fans. Uh, And personally, I love the route she took with this because I mean, anyone can put out a pop song she's done it for years but to hear like the kind of like lower tempo stuff it's yeah. just it's kind of like the album I've always wanted from her honestly yeah to me it kind of sounded like an upbeat more version of like a singer songwriter album yeah yeah for sure and yeah, one of those songs I... like that really is like stuck in my head today too and like I think fits that well was um what was it the kind of lover I am like mm-hmm. I think that one was really really catchy and yeah it reminds me of something that like love would put out or yeah, like wow, a Jeremy sure. Zucker like those kinds of artists that are like more modern you could say like singer songwriters exactly yeah I think I think she has better luck with those kind of songs with when it comes to like people not getting sick of it you know what I mean like yeah. so that's the kind of album I can like play on repeat and of course she still has the bops in there she has the sweetie song she has the ariana song but yeah i'm definitely glad she took a different route this time especially because it's her seventh album we've heard everything else from her you know yeah so it's kind of like she has to keep her fans and people guessing you know put something right like her sound is just evolving it just sounds more mature too compared to what she's put out in the past yeah definitely i agree with that um i also like how um the kind of lover I am kind of talks about her sexuality and that's something mm-hmm. she's been really open about. And she actually just came out as pansexual. So what do you think yeah. about that? Yeah. I mean, she's kind of not like hinted at it in the past, but like when she dropped cool for the summer, she was kind of like by curious. She's like hinted at dating girls in the past and stuff like that. But I think now since she was engaged to a man last year mm-hmm. and then they broke up and I think she's kind of just been exploring her sexuality ever since and also with her cutting her hair off she's kind of like letting go of that femininity um so I think she's just kind of becoming into her own more than she ever was before which is really cool yeah it's definitely an album of discovery you could say and like just for sure that's the like, perfect way to stuff. put it yeah yeah, yeah exactly 
And another topic, like we've touched on the substance abuse and overdose, the mental illness, mm-hmm. um, eating disorders, sexuality. There's so so many good concepts. Yes, it's but another nice. one that she also gets into is different relationships she's had with men, either mm-hmm. with her dad when she was really young, um, yes. or lack thereof, you could say, and with her ex-fiance. And that was something you actually brought to my attention with one of the songs mm, yeah. specifically. Yeah, um, the she kind of like puts a song on almost every album when it comes to her dad, and those are always like the most emotional ones because she's had a really bad relationship with him, but then he also passed away a few years ago. So I think that's something she was kind of still dealing with. But the one on this album, Butterfly, is it definitely shows the growth that she's come to terms with that in a more in a better way than she ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like you said, the 15 minutes. That one is just, it's kind of funny in a sense because everyone knows it's about him and they were engaged for like five seconds and then they broke up. And so she knew what she was doing with that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was very directed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Him. Yeah. Oh God, that one's funny. <laughs> and then the aspect too with the song Butterfly, I also feel like the aspect of like metamorphosis and we've kind of danced yes. around that is yeah. also shown in the cover art for the mm-hmm. album. Yeah, the butterfly is kind of like the aesthetic for the album in a sense. Um, and I again, I think that shows not only is it a song for her dad, but I think it shows where she is now too, because it's kind of like she's again coming into her own. Um, so I love that. I think it's the perfect kind of like symbol for the album. Yeah, I would say so too. And I love when like the album artwork and all of the songs with it just kind of fit into a theme. Yeah. Or a certain yeah, aesthetic. Very cohesive. Yeah, I love that. Like, I love that when artists do that. I've been paying more and more attention to that recently. And I think yeah, for sure. I think you're starting to see that more, like, be more common. Yeah, for sure, which I love. I think that's, it's just, like, creative, too, you know? Yeah. Something else, too, I want to touch upon is the, I guess you could say the amount, but also lack thereof of guest stars she had. Mm. Like she had a good amount, like, met him last night with Ariana Grande was good. And then what other people say with Sam Fisher, which actually he put out earlier this year, I think I remember, right. um, and Saweetie as well. Um, so she only had a few guest appearances, but I also feel like she did that intentionally in a way yeah. to like let her story be told mostly through her own eyes and through exactly, her own voice. Right. Yeah, I think she wanted to tell her story mainly from her perspective, you know, both with the album and the documentary. Um, and I think she definitely did that. I, I do, I love a good feature, obviously, um, but I am glad that it's not like super feature heavy. And I think the people she chose is like the perfect fit. Yeah, like just to go back to it again, met him last night with Ariana, like their harmonies were so good. And that so good. song that song itself is so like cinematic. And I think it's taking off on Spotify because when I listened to the album again, I saw on her profile yeah. it was picking up a lot of streams. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're pushing it as a single now, so hopefully yeah. get some radio play soon i know i was curious to ask you that too because to me like this album didn't really scream like one song that kind of stood out as a single maybe mm-hmm. maybe what other people say because that one was released previously yeah i also think that one is a really good um signifier of the message but yeah sure. like would you say met him last night is a song you could see being a single and getting airplay yeah for sure i think they had originally planned on dancing with the devil as a single first and i think that's what they've been doing the past few weeks which i thought was a great idea because not only does it tell her story but it's also a huge power ballad and she's done she you know she's released pop songs throughout the past few years but she's never really done a song like that as a single so i thought that was a great idea and the the perfect route to go but now they're also pushing met him last night as the next single and that's just like a more it's still it's still like you know fits the message but it's also just more fun and Obviously, it has Ariana on it, so I do think that's that's the perfect single for sure. It would be a good move, like on their marketing team side. Exactly. Things. Yeah, because Ariana's still riding pretty high from like the Positions album and things like for that. For sure, yeah, and them two together, I feel like it's a collaboration that people have always wanted. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danae. I like I really appreciate you doing this and reviewing yeah, this course. album thank with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, and congrats again on the podcast. It's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, you got to listen to Dancing with the Devil, The Art of Starting Over with Demi Lovato. It is one of those albums that you just, the context is there. It's important. So check it out. Denise had it on a week of repeat, as I mentioned. So (laughs) Not slowing down either. (laughs) Not slowing down. It's definitely going to be a huge album from her. I can feel it. 
for sure. that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? Send in your suggestions to the onrotationpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at theonrotation or Instagram at onrotationpodcast. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. And now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news. The nominees for the 8th annual iHeartRadio Music Awards have officially been released. The festival will air live from the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles on Thursday, May 27th, with performances that will be announced at a later date. Fans have until the end of the day on May 19th to cast their votes in categories including the first ever TikTok Bop of the Year Award. DMX has reportedly been diagnosed with COVID-19 during his recovery from a heart attack that was supposedly caused from a drug overdose. X's manager told TMZ Wednesday that the rapper is currently on life support and remains in a coma after being admitted to a New York hospital on April 2nd. DMX, whose real name is Earl Simmons, is 50 years old. And multiple theories have come up surrounding the subject of Taylor Swift's new song Mr. Perfectly Fine off her latest album. Fans believe the song could be about one of Swift's ex-boyfriends, including Joe Jonas, Jake Gyllenhaal, or John Mayer. Fearless, Taylor's version is out today. That's going to do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 